It's another edition of the Boomtown Pod, all things MMA. Thank you once again to Smashing to Pieces for the theme song for us. Uh, wake up, go check them out, all the way from a little place called Sweden. So they're very, very cool. I uh, got to interview them a few months back, and they were absolutely awesome. But nonetheless, hey, we're here. We're live. We had an incredible fight card that just happened. We're going to recap all of that, plus we're going to preview some other stuff for you. But of course, I got to do some introductions because we got some new spaces on the screen today. Of course, joining me once again is Cole from Sandman Boxing System. Cole, how are you doing? Good. Nice having me back. This is awesome. Uh, you're looking good, Andrew, like always. Well, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> real hard. Speaking of looking good, down below us, he's a great MMA fan, uh, a big fan of and supporter of, of our podcast for a very long time. Come out to a couple of live events that we threw at Ballers and stuff like that too. Justin, thanks so much for joining us, man. Absolutely, buddy. My pleasure. Uh, super excited to be on here. Uh, just a little thing. I mean, this show is basically going to get me more involved in, in wanting to watch more UFC and stuff like that. So hats off to you, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, man, that's what this podcast is all about. I want people to come together. And, and I mean, in Canada, it's a little bit different because I feel like the market isn't as crazy as it is in the States. And obviously, there's a huge following because, I mean, let's face it, UFC is king out there right now, which is, is insane. MMA in general is just insane out there and and hopefully we can get some more uh stuff coming to the canadian forefront i know that there was supposed to be a saskatoon card months ago almost years ago i guess now at this point because of the uh the restrictions and lockdowns and stuff like that i think it was cool tell me if i'm wrong but i think it was right before everything shut down yeah there's actually um a couple planned in saskatoon that just got shut down and even recently um just a, just a handful of months ago when things started opening back up, but then last minute just shut down, shut down, shut down. So kind of frustrating, a little bit frustrating for everybody. Uh, but, you know, I think it's it's on the upswing right now. So, Yeah, absolutely. Now, once again, I, we can't do this stuff without all the people that are on the bottom, of course. Our sponsors for the podcast, the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, check them out. Great and absolutely pumped to be a part of that group. Uh, Stellar Gear out in Saskatoon, out in Coles area. Dana and crew, uh, make sure to go to stellargear.ca backslash boomtown10 for 10% off of all your purchases, which is absolutely awesome. goes a long way. We uh, You can save on T-shirts, but not fuel. So, I mean, kind of win, <laughs> win on that one. Uh, and, of course, our good friends over there at MM Boxing System, who are a great sponsor of ours. Uh, thank you so much. Those sweaters are fire. I can't wait to get some done up for Boomtown. I'm, I'm going to reach out to your wife very, very quickly and get those done. Uh, and also, of course, Blue Collar Media Group. Couldn't do it without them. They've been my uh, ride or die since day one. So thanks to those guys and everybody back at the team. So with that being said, uh, we got another sponsor, of course. And this is a segment, number one, called The Week That Was, sponsored by PAWFC. Of course, Palestina Women's Fighting Championship. Uh, making the announcement on their Instagrams. In August, coming back to Calgary, the date hasn't been locked in yet, but I will be ringside for that, so I am pumped again to be uh, with them. We're going to have fighters on as well. 
joining us throughout the next upcoming months, uh, previewing that fight card. I know there's some celebrity guests that are being uh, talked about as well. But if you want all the latest, make sure you check the ticker PAWFC.com for all of the latest news and info. Well, let's get into it. UFC 272 took place this past weekend. No title fights, but I would tell you that there was title implications on the line, and we'll get into that. But this one, not a lot of title implications when it came to it. Uh, Greg Hardy on his last fight with the UFC, uh, taking on, of course, the uh, the angry Russian Sergei Spivak, and Greg Hardy didn't win. Surprise, nobody. Go ahead, fellas. You got the point. Honestly, that's exactly what I thought. Pretty going forward. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what he, I thought was going to happen. He show up, it felt like. I don't know. Yeah. I thought he'd put a bit better performance on, personally. I thought he would, but being his last fight, I don't know. It was a pretty it was a pretty dominant performance on the other side, I think. Yeah, I think I think Rick Hardy learned a really valuable lesson is that you can't overlook your opponent. And during media week, it seemed that he was dialed into trying to fight Derek Lewis and tied to Ivasa with that rematch. And just it didn't seem like he was taking Spivak very seriously at all, which I didn't think. I mean, a lot of times, and Cole can probably relate to this as a boxer, if you already overlook your opponent, you're done. You're done. De- definitely. And and uh, and it's crazy because, like we discussed uh, last time, um, Spivak is the, the last guy to beat Tuivasa. He's the last guy to put him out before his six-fight win streak. What happened is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, get Hardy out of there, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think this talent pool of the heavyweight division, we're seeing kind of a resurgence again because for a really long time, the heavyweight division was kind of a joke. I mean, there was a couple good fighters, but, I mean, it kind of got lost in the shuffle with your welterweights, your middleweights, your light heavyweights, and now it's kind of like, all right, now we got some talent back in the talent pool, and these guys that are unknowns are kind of making their name back up there, which is awesome. Um, and it seems that the talk of the town seems to be the heavyweight division a lot of these days. But, I mean, yeah, Greg Hardy, I think the best thing for him to do, and I and this isn't just saying because, but I really do think he should go to Bellator. The heavyweight division isn't as uh, locked in as the UFC talent is, and I really think he could benefit from fighting some of the guys who have similar records him, as him now, seven and six, six and seven guys. You know, um, and I just think maybe Bellator is the best fit. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree yeah, I 100%. Think 100%. I think he's got yeah, different level over there for sure. And it'll be better competition for him, right? So I think so. Cool. He's got to get a bit, a bit better shape, I think, too. He looked a little bit out of shape on that last fight. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely he's not taking something – he's not taking it serious, I don't think. You know, like uh, just like um, – yeah, you could tell by, by what he looked like that – he wasn't taking something seriously, you know? So even, you know, PFL, you know, go check that out. Um, Bellator is good. Even Bellator might be a little bit uh, too much for Hardy. I, maybe like uh, PFL, he could he could build it up and then, you know, because uh, I think he just got thrown in there, right? And uh, got, got a couple of stoppages and, and then all of a sudden he's fighting top five guys and it's not going well. No, it's not. I mean, realistically, he'd had, you know, if if he had the killer instinct that he did when he was on Dana White's Contender Series that got him into the UFC to begin with for the 53-second knockout, which 
if you want to go check it out, one of the most vicious knockouts on the show. Um, if he had that killer instinct like he did then, I think it's just because he got the money, he got the contract, he was given some pretty big names, like Volkov was in there. I mean, and, and he did pretty well against Volkov. Uh, and then obviously the whole puffer incident, which I still to this day don't think it's a, a performance enhancing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and he said, like, he's played his entire NFL career with it in his, you know, it, basically in his back pocket. Um, but yeah, I think the Greg Hardy experiment's over. I think the UFC's mm -hmm. ready to move on. Um, again, I just don't think he's right for what they're looking for. Um, I, I mean, if he would have won this fight, maybe they keep him on a maybe a one more fight, two fight, prove it contract. But um, for Spivak, I mean, his 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 uh, name again because he beat Greg Hardy probably moves him up a little bit up the rankings. But uh, congratulations to, to Sergey on that one because I mean, realistically, it's probably going to put him in a a top 15 matchup next, which is probably what he wants at this point. Um, also on UFC 272 was the uh, other fight that we should get into, Kevin Holland versus Charles the Cowboy Oliveira. Um, uh, a weird Alex Oliveira, sorry, not Charles Oliveira. Um, really weird matchup when I initially saw it uh, out the get-go. But Kevin Holland, man, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's more of a complete fighter because he switched camps, but – Hey, his, his striking looked really, really good. And even when he was on the ground, which he's famously known for being on most of the time, he looked pretty decent. I will say one thing. The, the, both, both these guys have the dance moves down. That's for sure. I mean, there was more dancing than anything on that fight. But, yeah, it was, it was a weird fight. But it was it was entertaining, though. I, I, I'll, take, I'll give it that for sure. Yeah, and, and his call-out after was perfect. You know, I, I think that's a, a great setup. Fight uh, Donald, um, why not? You know, uh, that's a that's a big name. Um, he, he's probably only got a couple fights left. So I think that's perfect timing. Um, it gives it gives Holland some more time to kind of adapt to that weight class. And, uh, and, and I think that's a winnable fight for, for Donald as well. Yeah, I already disagree. The quote was, I already made or I already beat one cowboy. Why not another? Um, not another. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of funny to hear all these call outs with Donald Cerrone and everybody wants, you know, to have that last fight with Donald Cerrone. We heard Jim Miller call him out. Uh, whoever wins that Lozon and, and Cerrone fight, which, again, that's coming up in May, which will be a great fight. Whoever wins that, I think, continues to have a, a you know. Career in the UFC. Um, no matter what, if if Cowboy loses, I mean, I like the matchup with Kevin Holland. Holland staying in that top fifteen, beating, I mean, guys who aren't there anymore. Which, hey, whatever. I mean, that's kind of Kevin Holland's niche now, right? Yeah, I, I like him. I like Holland. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, not a terrific fighter. He's not a terrific fighter, but he's a fans fighter, right? Like he he likes the callouts. He's a big trash talker while he's in there, um, and he, and he's 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 good, man. He's got some decent control when it comes to striking, and and again, it's one of a couple fights. Obviously, most notoriously beat Jacare Souza, which was, I mean, the the highlight of his career so far. So it'll be continued development for uh, for Oliveira or for Holland, but I think Oliveira, honestly, I think this is it. I think Cowboy should almost call it a career. Maybe that's crazy of me to say, but he just doesn't look like he's got it anymore. I think he's still got another fight or two in him, I think. I mean, like, he looked in shape. He looked very good that way. Yeah, he might just be maybe uh, a gatekeeper, you know, uh, one of the 
one of the guys that that uh, gets you into the top 15 uh which is which is not a bad place to be you know um especially for the the guys who enjoy it you know uh and I think he does. Um, it's not like he goes out there and he's just looking for a paycheck. Um, he puts on a fight every time. Uh, he's he's always in shape. He's always ready. So, I don't know. I think he's good. He's good for, for the sport. Yeah, Oliveira is good for the sport. I agree with you in that aspect. I mean, I just – the last couple of fights that I've seen him in, I just I, – I don't want to say, like, he looks disheveled or, like, he's already in his own head when he gets down a little bit, but – He's, he's got to figure out some way to kind of rejuvenate himself in a fight. I mean, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's been going on since he lost to the other Cowboy, right? So I, I really hope that uh, Oliveira can turn it around. Again, one of those guys that's good for the sport. And you might be right, Cole. He might be a gatekeeper. He may be a Clay Guida or, you know, back in the day, a Gray Maynard. Like, if you beat those guys, you you immediately got, you know, pushed up in the top 10 in title fights. So who, who knows what happens in that situation? But uh, congratulations, Kevin Holland. Um, He's fun, he's a trash talker, and he's going to be in the UFC for a while. So, uh, Moving on to our next fight, UFC 272, of course. This one was awesome. This this one, I was, at the start of our podcast last week, I literally said, look out for Thug Nasty because he is legitimate. He, every part of what I said about his game, he brought in this fight. We talked about this, Cole and I, about how Bar- Barboza hates pressure. And what did Mitchell do? Turned up the pressure to 11, and Barbosa had nothing. What an amazing performance by Bryce Mitchell. Cole, how did you see the fight? That That's exactly what I envisioned. Like That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It's exa- It went round by round. Uh, I thought it's going to – you know, it might take him a while to get him down that first time, but once he does, that, that's going to be the fight. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's where Barbosa hates to be. Uh, and and he couldn't um, make up that distance, uh, so it was just it was awesome. I, I I love Mitchell. That was awesome. He's unreal. And and the cool part is he said that I'm going to take half of my earnings and I'm going to go donate it to uh, underprivileged youth in, in his hometown. And then Dana White said, No, 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 no. You're not going to take any of that money. I'm actually going to give forty six thousand dollars for your charity. So that was really really cool. And Bryce gets to continue building on to his. RV Dream Park home, which I'm sure will be spectacular. Oh, yeah. when I absolutely love, I love this kid. I love him. I've been watching lots of stuff after these fights now and his interviews and different podcasts. He's a cool dude, man. He's a he's a real deal. I know. I, I remember talking to you, Andrew, before that fight, and I definitely underestimated him against Bobo against this on this on this card. But he came out fighting, man. He's a good fighter. Yeah, we talked about it, Cole and I, how bad that Barbosa is under pressure. And, I mean, he's just one of those guys, man, that in, in order for him to be very, very articulate and good with his punches or his kicking, he's got to be the guy who gets a little bit of space but is able to hit those timely kicks. And, I mean, I think the scouting report's out on Barbosa. It's like, hey, if you get just a little ounce of pressure and come in on him, he's toast. Like, it's just it just rattles his game plan completely, which, hey – a kickboxer versus a wrestler, typically the wrestler is going to try to take you down. And that's exactly what Bryce Mitchell did. And I, I need to put this out there with ease. Yeah, with ease. Big time. He's slick. He's slick too, eh? Quick. Well, and that's the thing too. And at the end of the fight, Barboza even said, he's like, I didn't expect him to be as fast as he was with the takedowns. And and I mean, he was. He was very elusive. He was very quick. Um, and the second that he got Barboza down, it's not like he was just taking him down and, and wrestling him a little bit. He was taking him down. And, and throwing some nasty stuff on top. So, I mean, the, the sky really, for me, is is the limit for Bryce Mitchell. I think we've really slept on 
the talent that this kid has, I mean, I've been watching him kind of like you, Justin. I said, you know, this guy has is the real deal. I mean, he has been for a while now, and he just shot himself up the rankings for sure because, let's face it, Barbosa uh, was in the, is a top 10 guy. So, I mean, Mitchell, I think, will probably be in the t- 8 or 9 spot this week for sure um, coming up when they drop the announcement for rankings. But, uh, yeah, congrats to Bryce Mitchell, man. And, and you're right, Justin. This guy is good for the sport. Big time. Big time good for this sport. I look forward to every fight now that he's, he's coming up. Just His press conferences, the way he handles himself, he's just a true guy, right? I mean, they're showing how he's training on the farm, and he's almost like a cowboy, right? Like, <laughs> it's just he's a funny dude, too. Just a real dude. Yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, realistically, my some of my favorite clips are from him throughout the year. And I mean, he's he's gone on like he was on CNN the other day after the fight. He was talking politics and stuff, and he's as redneck as they come, right? He's he's a he's a Trump man through and through. So I mean, I I absolutely love it. Uh, he's just hilarious, um, and he's the first, not only the first fighter, uh, the second fighter now to get his camel shorts. And, of course, that's two different companies is what I'm referring to. He is the first man to now get his camo shorts with Venom and with Reebok. And those things look fucking cool. Yeah, they do. Yeah, That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That is cool to, to have that. Oh, just good for the sport. I mean, realistically, you see the same kind of fight kits. I mean, I think the Venom fight kits are way nicer than the Reebok ones. Um, it's just cool to see a little flair of their own originality stick out on it. And I hope that going forward that there's more fighters that are able to do stuff like that. But uh, as he was alluding to thug nasty is, is super hype. And he dropped the, he dropped another track, another rap track. So I'm going to have to check that one out, man. He was freestyling after his fight. I mean, guys, guys, you can do it all. <laughs> He's Eminem. If the Eminem could throw hands. <laughs> Gotta get, gotta get him on the podcast, Andrew. I mean, I that'd be awesome. If Bryce, if you're watching this and your camp ever checks us out, I'll, I'll make sure to send this one out to you. But uh, we would love to have you on here, man, because I think you're just one of the most original ca- characters that has ever existed in the UFC. And even if you do not win a title, which hey, he's on his way to doing, he could potentially do it. Um, never say never. But if uh, mm-hmm. you know you ever have a chance, I'd love to get there before you're a champ, man. That's for damn sure. Uh, Let's go to the co-main event, boys. This one was, well, it's as predicted. Uh, Cole and I talked about this, and we literally said RDA going on a a three-day fight notice, had a full camp, Moicano only having three days to prepare for a former champ and a man who has taken out the who's who of the UFC. Uh, This one, when as planned, Rafael DeSandros. Only one little tick I'm going to put on this. Failed to finish him when I thought he should have. Yeah, he, uh, Moicano, he's got a chin though, man. I mean, he took a beating in this one at the, the later rounds. And it, give him props coming in after three days, fighting five rounds. Like, I, I, I think it was the fight of the night. I do. I know the main card was the main card, but I, I believe this should have been the fight of the night. I believe. Definitely. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, just like you said, Andrew. It's just like we talked about. RDA is the man. He is. He's like a, a MMA fighter through and through. He's uh, like we like we mentioned a lot. Like his resume, no one has a better resume. Nobody. Uh, you can't name one person who has, you know, his his last ten fights. You know, like he, he's fought everybody who's somebody in anywhere around his, and he's been in Moicano's position 
more than once over the years. He's jumped in on three days' notice, on a week's notice. On He's done that multiple times and won and lost. And uh, so he's been in that position as well. And uh, the the one thing I I don't know I, I the the announcing was kind of I don't know like he's a grown ass man if he wants to be in there let him be in there you know like I don't think it should have been stopped in my opinion I wonder what the dialogue would have been like if he didn't have a black eye I wonder what the dialogue would have been like if his face was fine if they yeah. would have still been saying that. Because I, I don't think uh, it, it was as bad as they were saying. It just looked bad because of the visual. Agreed fully. I mean, when I was watching the card, I mean, I'm a. We both know it. I'm a big Bisbing fan. I, I through and through the fighter. The commentator sometimes gets on my nerves, and, and the only reason why sometimes I find myself muting it just because I can't. I can't tolerate how they're talking about it because it's like. Honest to God, Moicano did have a lump over his eye, and it was bad. Obviously, we all saw it, we all know it, and it was damaged. But, hey, his corner said he's good enough. The doctor gave him clearance to go. It, it was his choice to take this fight on three days' notice, and he's not going to give up. He's a man who's full of pride. Absolutely, he's mm -hmm. not going to give up. And in and, and the, and the entire time I was listening to it, and at one point during the fight, I just had to mute it because – it was like, you know, Joe's going, oh, this should stop the fight. They should stop the fight. Joe, you, no, man. You and, and the thing is, Joe Rogan also has been watching this sport for years, amongst years. You know you've seen some of the toughest, bloodiest brawls, and you're thinking that's going to get a doctor stoppage? Not a yeah. chance, man. So sometimes I can find their commentary very, like, if you're not a fan and that was your first card that you've ever watched, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy should quit. That guy, and but the, the normal fan, us who watch it all the time, we're like, "Hey, man, toughest son of a bitch I've ever seen," and he's gonna continue going. Yeah, and and I think even just the relationship between the coaches and him, like they know, they know what kind of man he is, they know what kind of person he is, they know uh, what he can handle, where where he is, and um, like, and it, and it wasn't like uh, that. Uh, uh Glover fight against uh um what's his name when it was like three ten seven rounds in a row you know it wasn't like that it was ten nines you know like RDA was clearly winning but it wasn't like uh w where he was getting up and like you could tell by his body movement that he didn't want to be in there anymore and he was doing anything but asking not to be in there you know he was he was in there and he was pissed off at the end of the end of the fight, you know, uh, he, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's my opinion, I think, but I, I don't think it should have been stopped. No, no. And I, I think we can all agree with that. I think Moicano, uh, more than anything, even stepping up and taking this fight on three days, just notice to show the world. It's kind of like that guy who fought Sugar Sean O'Malley, uh, got his ass kicked for five rounds, but just didn't quit, you know? And, and just kept pushing and pushing. And he was never going to take no for an answer because let's face it, when a guy like, uh, I think it was like Christoph something was fighting Sugar Sean. Um, he literally got his ass kicked, but he never stopped. He continued to go no matter how bad the pressure was. He just, there was no quitting it. And then he got signed, you know, like he was a step up and came in and whatever. It is what it is. But the, people seem to gravitate towards that never give a shit attitude. Like, let's go. You want to finish me, you've got to finish me. And that's exactly what Moicano proved to me is that like, hey, man, 
I will fight the one of the biggest badasses in this division on three days' notice. But just know if I have a full camp, and believe me, I think if Moicano had a full camp, his striking was precise, and when it landed, it landed flush. I agree. Yeah, I mean, don't give RDA. You got to give him credit too. I mean, he trained for a fight to fight somebody that was a little bit different style than Moicano too, as well. So I don't want to take nothing away from RDA on that one. And, and I will take nothing away from RDA. Like we said or last week's podcast, he was trending to obviously be in a war. Um, and the other one that I kind of have an issue with with this fight is that, yeah, Moicano stepped up and was awesome that he did because we still got to see Hapael fight. Um, Islam Makachev, very interesting. So apparently he was offered the fight. He wanted the fight. He went on Instagram, Twitter, called out RDA, said, hey, I'll take the fight. Dana offered him a contract. Islam laughed it off and said, I'm not going to take this fight. Now, the reported rumors are that he was offered a million dollars for the fight. That's what he wanted, which is fucking astronomical. I mean, Islam is unbelievable. He is a great fighter. He is bread and butter in that division. He is far superior than most people. But I am telling you, a million dollars to step up on eight days notice you're the one who shit talked them into wanting this fight. So why do you think you're worth a million dollars? No one is. Like, have you? Oh, Alistair Overeem in the prime of his career wasn't even making a million dollars per fight. So why do you think you can ask for that kind of money? Maybe I'm crazy. What do you guys think? Oh my! Control now too, as well, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they have a pretty system going. I think I don't think they would be where it is if they were paying a million dollars. The UFC, I think. Yeah, you, gl- you glitched out a little bit there, but I think I kind of got bits and pieces of what you were saying. But I mean, realistically, I, I agree with you. I mean, I understand the company makes a ton of money. And uh, they they can afford to pay these guys, you know, top dollar. And that's something that Jake Paul and all these boxers and all this other shit have been kind of trying to throw at the UFC. But a million dollars is pretty far fucking fetched because Rafael DeSandros is a legend of the sport and he only made $300,000. So if you get paid that $300,000, then by all means, I'm cool with it. But I just thought that was a million dollars. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? You know what I mean? So he... So he asked for that, and they agreed, and then he still turned it down? So he asked for the fight, and Dana said, sure. And then when it came to the logistics of the contract, he said, I will only fight that fight if you give me a million dollars. Oh, I see. Which Hmm. makes no sense at all to me. Um, But, yeah, nonetheless, that was the situation there. But, hey, RDA continues his killer streak of people that he's beaten and adding to the resume just another body count. Uh, dude's vicious. I don't know who he matches up against next, but I can tell you that I already look forward to it. Um, we don't know how many year more years he's got left in him. I mean, I think he's 37 now. Um, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm just at this point in my life, I'm starting to appreciate and respect these old guys that we grew up on, you know, like, you know, it was hard to watch Frankie Edgar knocked out by Sandhagen as bad as he did. Um, but still a legend of the sport. Somebody I always find myself cheering for, right? RDA, the same aspect, the legend of the sport. I always find myself cheering on and uh, and, and trying to, um, you know, uh, like a little bit more. 
Um, but we get those fighters every now and again that we like, you know, Cerrone, for instance. I mean, everybody wants to fight Cowboy because he's a legend, right? And we grew up with these guys, and now we're kind of seeing the outs of them where they're not uh, necessarily doing anything anymore. So it's it's tough, and and, and I mean that the glory days are kind of swinging behind them, if you will. Yeah, and I, yeah, and it's always different too, I guess, with uh, the guys that are um, like Cerrone. You can clearly see that it's the downswing. You know, right. compared to RDA, who's still, uh, you know, he still looks like a machine. So that's the, that's like that hit and miss. You know, it's like you want to see these guys do well, and you like it sucks when when they're not. So it it's it's awesome to see when they're still they're they're out there and they're grinding still. Yeah, I respect that a ton, man. Again, a lot of legends of the sport that we followed are kind of on their glory ends of their careers and riding off in the sunset, if you will, which is awesome because guys like Moicano. And these up-and-comers are going to be really, really the face of the UFC coming soon, which is really, really cool for us to see. Uh, UFC 272 main event, Kobe Covington versus Jorge Street Jesus Mazadal. Um, And you know what? It's uh, not the bloodshed that I think everybody was expecting. I don't think it's the war that everybody was expecting. But you got Kobe Chaos Covington doing exactly what he is known for and so damn good at it. Um, I honestly could not believe how easy he made this fight look. Yeah. And, um, even, uh, I feel like he could have finished it. Uh, like he came out in the third and he was, uh, a lot more, um, you know, doing that pitter patter and, and landing lots and if he would have done, I think if he would have started doing that earlier, uh, he would have tired Masvidal out sooner, and it would have, uh, I think he would have stopped it uh, because it wasn't until around the third that he started doing that and really putting it on Masvidal, and that's when Masvidal, like in the fourth, he was so tired. Even when he caught Colby, he had nothing to finish him with because he was, uh, and I think if he had any energy, he could have finished him. Because yep. Kobe was out on his feet for like a good forty seconds there, and so I, I think, but yeah, I think Kobe just stuck to his game plan and he looked really good. It was awesome. Chaos, chaos for a reason, man. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm one of his biggest fans. I'll support him till he's no longer in the UFC. But I would tell you this: uh, he lived up to the nickname. He lived up to the cardio king. He looked up to everything. I mean. This is this is the crazy part about Kobe Covington. There's been so many trash talkers in the game, so many guys that always shot the shit and, and and made you know drove in ticket sales, drove in hype. He's just a consummate at it and just beats the shit out of guys, man. And it's just crazy. Like he talks the talk and walks the walk all at the same time. Now we've seen it before with guys like McGregor and, and Jail Sonnen prior too. But I mean, there is nobody like Kobe Chaos Covington. That's true. He brings he brings excitement. Uh he's he's fun. His his uh press conferences are, are hilarious. And when you when you get him uh against the right guy, like it, it's he's he sells it himself. And that's I like that. Big time. What were your thoughts on the fight, Justin, if you're uh screen's loading here? Sorry, my, my keep cutting out here. I'm in the middle of the mountains in BC, so my Wi Fi is not uh, proven to be the greatest. As he says, greatest, it's 
cutting off. That's that's hilarious. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I can probably talk for Justin in this aspect. Uh, he was talking to me during the entire fight, and we were going back and forth through text, and we were literally saying to each other, "It's like this is, you know, Mazadal needed this fight. Mazadal needed this win to not he just signed a contract, and this is this is now going to become the really hard thing for the UFC. Is that yeah, Jorge's, you know, he's definitely a marketable piece." And, and he and he brings names and he brings asses to the stadium and stuff like that. But he hasn't won a fight since 2019, and he just re-upped his contract. And I'm like, this this is the worst case scenario for Ori Mazdal because we have just heard recent rumors that Leon Edwards is going to be moving up and he's going to be facing Kamara Usman, which is going to be a great matchup, I think, for the welterweight title. Um, they haven't announced the date yet. I know that they said they were scheduling for July. Um, no official date, but. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a great fight. I think Leon Edwards finally gets his title shot and deserving of it. Um, but again, it's just like, what do you do with Mazadal in this situation? Because you can feed him to the top five guys or even the top 10 guys, but it seems like I just don't, unless he knocks him out quick, it's just like the gas tank has always been his issue. And, and that might just be it. You know, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too hard on him. You know, he lost to Kobe and Usman. Uh, those are those are he hasn't won in, since 2019, but he's fought number one and number two, uh, and and he could be number three and just losing to number one and number two. Um, so it's I wouldn't count him out yet. I, I think uh, you know maybe three rounds is his is his cup of tea. That's where he shines, and that's where um, we'll, we'll just have to see because I, I think there's a lot of good matchups for him. There's a lot of good things that could happen for him uh he's exciting you know uh obviously um he wasn't able to, to show much of his stand-up just because he uh you know he, he was on the ground most of the time uh defending but uh i, I think i think there's a place for him and i think he's going to do some big things still I, I think uh having usman and kobe as as your last three losses uh, those are uh respectable it's not, yeah exactly so, okay, let's put on our, 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 our thinking hats here and let's play matchmaker. We're Sean Shelby right now, and we've got two great pieces in our in our division. We've got Kobe Covington and we've got Jorge Mazadal. Let's start with Jorge. Who's the matchup, Justin, that you think makes sense for Jorge? Oh, man. Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Like I said, like Cole was saying, like he's just – there's some interesting fights that could happen for sure. Like he's got – I mean, he talks about – Two more fights, he's back in and fighting Usman is what he's been talking about all week, right? So, I don't. I'm gonna throw this one to Cole, man. I don't know who do you think, buddy. I I think uh, if, if Usman beats Leon, why go Leon? You Leon, know, yeah. um, I was gonna lead it towards that Leon, too. And Usman, I think will beat him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a matchup that's been years in the making. I mean, we remember the three-piece in the soda thing that was backstage when Leon Edwards and, and, and Jorge had that bad blood going on. I mean, that totally makes sense for me as a matchmaker, uh, and you know it's going to draw some names. I think that's like a, a live fight night card that would probably be my main event. Um, I don't know if it's essentially – I mean, it depends, right? It depends where they put them, but, I mean, that would be a good co-main, I guess, if you're not doing any title fights. Um, but the other one that I look at at Covington, I'm like, hey – I think we got our matchup already ready to go. Dustin Poirier seems to be the guy that wants to, you know, knock his fucking block off. And, and I mean, the comments that, uh, 
yeah, I mean, Covington essentially called him right out after the fight, called, got rid of one street trash. Now he wanted to get Louisiana swamp trash out of the system too. And honest to God, I think Kobe can beat him. I think so too. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Especially with the, obviously there's going to be a size difference there, but I think, um, I think Dustin, I, I, I would, I would put odds more in Dustin's favor than, than Masvidal's favor, to be honest. Yeah. Cause Dustin's not getting tired. He's no. fighting for five rounds. Uh, as long as he's still awake, he's there. He's going to be in your face. He's going to be throwing. Um, so I think that's a, a more dangerous fight for, for Colby than, than Masvidal. And I think uh, Dustin's uh, takedown defense is better. So th- there's going to be a, a little bit more problems there for Covington, unless that size difference is so big that it, it is easy to take him down. But I, I don't think so. And and I think uh, that's a... That's a really cool fight. I really hope that one is the one. It's well, going to happen. Sure. I mean, just the trash talking that he's been doing and calling all, what is a kid being Connor's kid and all that kind of stuff. He's crossing some lines, right? So, I mean, it's good to see as a fan. It's kind of you sit back. It's like, okay, right, let's see. But, I mean, he is crossing some lines when it comes to trash talking. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to that fight. I think it will happen. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be – I think it'll be a close one. You're right, though. I think Poirier's got the gas tank to, to, to stand up with Covington where Jorge didn't, right? That's just the end of it. Dustin's biggest kryptonite throughout his entire career has been wrestlers. So the fact that Covington is probably one of the best wrestlers in the UFC, he's 20, 20 takedowns away. For, and this is a crazy stat. He's 20 takedowns away from being tied with GSP for most ever in the wow. welterweight division. And he is only 28 years old. So the sky is literally the limit for Kobe Covington. Um, I think he probably, by when it's all said and done, I think he shatters that record uh, that GSP holds in that division. And it's crazy because, I mean, even at the weigh-ins, when you saw the perspective of, of, of weight cuts, it looked like Kobe was ready to go. Like, he just, it, it didn't look like it was hard on him, but you could see Mazdal. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't cut much weight, in. yeah. Yeah, it just looked like he probably naturally walks around at 180. I mean, and, and he's probably smart for doing so. He doesn't seem like a guy that, you know, parties all that hard or whatever. It doesn't seem like he seems pretty committed to always being around that 170 weight cut. So, um, again, I like Dustin a ton. I was happy when he knocked the fucking blocks off of McGregor. Um, I've been happy when he's, you know, he's done whatever he's done. But I'm telling you right now, his kryptonite always will be and continues to be. We just saw it against Oliveira wrestlers, man. The second that he gets given up to a wrestler, He's not good. And, I mean, we saw it against even Habib. Habib literally took him down within, you know, 20 seconds and just held him captive for an essential two, three rounds. So, I mean, it's 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 just – it's Dustin's struggle, and hopefully he can work with a good wrestling coach and get that figured out. And uh, I think I agree with you boys fully. That's the matchup to make. Covington, Poirier, uh, I would probably side with Covington in that fight. But uh, we also had a non-UFC thing going on. And I know Justin said he's not so familiar with Bellator, but – you know, myself and Cole, we, we really like Bellator. Um, I was behind the scenes today. I just want to give a quick shout-out to Bellator's media staff. Um, the, it's just so cool. I actually got to talk to Phil Davis today and ask him a question. And, and Phil Davis is in my top 10 favorite fighters of all time. So that was really, really cool. So thanks to the PR staff for making that happen. But on the weekend on Friday, we had a fight card called Bellator 275. Uh, Gegard Mousasi taking on Austin Vanderford. And um, this fight didn't last more than 90 seconds. Uh, so that's fucking crazy. 
Uh, Cole and I have literally also mentioned how Rafael DeSandros has a killer's row of, uh, of victims that he has beaten. Well, Gegard Mousasi continues to pile to his resume as well. Uh, an absolutely dominating performance. Uh, like I said, it only was 90 seconds. I will say this, and I don't know if Austin has admitted to this yet, but it looked like when I was re-watching the fight, because I had to watch it again. I mean, 90 seconds. I mean, I mean, you got to watch it again, right? So I re-watched the fight, and it seemed like Vanderford was going for a takedown, which obviously we alluded to in the podcast last week. He's a very good takedown artist. Um, and I said the only way he was going to win that fight is by his wrestling. But when he went for the takedown, it looked like Gaggard pulled his leg up and was able to kind of jam Vanderford's neck. Because if you notice, he like creaks up and his neck kind of goes stiff and he falls down right away and Gagger capitalized on that. So I don't know if he stung himself so much so that he kind of knocked himself out of the fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, you were mentioning that. And I never went back and watched it again, but I should because that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Austin Vanderford is as tough as they come. As, as much as people make fun of him and, and being Paige Van Zandt's husband and stuff like that, he, he he was he was undefeated. But we also said going into that fight, he's he's fought tin cans. I mean, he's never fought the, the murderer's row that Gegard Mousasi, who is by far, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, a for, uh, definitely an MMA Hall of Famer the second he mm -hmm. retires. Um, but I, I just, again, I watched it and I, when I was rewatching it again, I, I just said, man, Austin doesn't look right. Even when I watched that live, I was like, I texted you right away. I think I, th I was like, Hey, I think he stung his neck a little bit because I mean, he just essentially collapsed to the ground and it's not like him to just give up back or anything like that. And then he wasn't really defending either. So when he was getting tagged on the ground, I was like, Ooh, boy, this isn't looking good for him. Like he's not putting his arms up. There's not a ton of defense from Austin. So I think he might have had a stinger, but he's been really, really quiet about it because I feel like Vanderford's not the guy to make an excuse. Yeah, and I I thought he looked weird from the beginning of the fight. Like he looked like I don't know if he was uh, just like being in the big show, you know, uh, maybe a little bit uh, the the nerves. But I thought like the whole round he looked weird, to be honest. Like. He was kind of like hesitating when he usually doesn't. And um, I think he was maybe a little bit starstruck as well. Yeah. Again, you're fighting a legend of the sport across from you. You've only had 10 professional fights. I mean, I'm sure Austin's had more, but pro fights, he's only had 10. I mean, he, again, I agree with you fully. You go in there and you're like, hey, holy shit, that's Gegger Musasi. Like, this man has beaten literally everyone in the world like, and, yeah. and has dominated. I mean, I'm, I'm in trouble here. And he looked – and usually when Austin gets in the octagon, he's like, you know, kind of swaggy. He's kind of feeling it a little bit. And he was just like stiff right up. Like, I don't know if the moment hit him, everything hit him. And he was just like, boom. Like, and I mean, I don't know how serious he was taking training either. And I'll allude to this later on. But like, I mean, he was going to AEW. So all elite wrestling, he was doing stuff with Dan Lambard and American top team as a storyline. But I, I don't know if he was taking his fight as serious as Gaggard was. And I understand, you know, I understand Bellator being like, Hey, go promote us and go promote our show and get our name out there with American top team and stuff like that. Totally understandable. But I just don't know if he was overseeing the fight, but nonetheless, 90 seconds, we had a decision. A hand was raised for Gaggard Musasi, who continues to be uh, a nightmare in Bellator, man. He is, he is this a perfect division for him. He was a nightmare in the UFC. Uh, I think it was just a contract dispute more that I looked into it. That was really the breakdown for those guys. 
But uh, hey, man, hell of a performance. Definitely. Um, he's the man. Um, 49, that was 49th win or 48th win? 49th? Wow. Amazing. So yeah, crazy. If you want, if you want a fun little job after you're done this podcast, go Google search Gegger Musasi's MMA record and see the people that he has beaten. It is by far one of the craziest. Anyways, let's get into the news portion of things, boys. Um, we've got a couple announcements, a couple of people doing different things, and, and we're going to get into boxing because we obviously have the boxing expert with us. Um, this one came as a uh, kind of a surprise to me, but I was pretty fucking amped when it was made. Um, both guys are both on losing streaks, so I understand the matchup. We have Michael Chandler taking on Tony Ferguson that was announced, and I am fucking all in. This is uh, as a dream's dream matchup. Michael Chandler... Uh, has been tested in the UFC so far. He's fought some pretty tough competition, um, obviously coming off his last fight with Charles Oliveira, getting knocked out. Um, everybody seems to have lost to Charles Oliveira, so it's not really a big thing, including Tony Ferguson uh, and Ferguson passing the torch in that fight saying, hey, man, you're the better me now. So um, two guys that are in that 30-plus range in their, in their ages, they've had huge careers. Um, how do you see this one going? I'll start with you, Justin. That's a tough one, man. When I saw the when they announced that fight, I got excited too. Um, I've always been a Ferguson fan ever since I started watching MMA. Uh, he's fun to watch, right? But Chandler, I mean, I, I think Chandler's got the upper edge on this one. I, I personally think, but it should be a good fight all the way through. I think. Cole, what do you figure? Yeah, this is nuts. This is a, this is uh, this is. I love Ferguson. I've loved him for a long time. He's the man. Uh, his last little streak here has, has kind of broken my heart, you know, kind of seeing seeing uh, the damage he's taken. And But, I mean, ah, uh, man, this is I, – I want Ferguson to win so bad. Even though I, I do – I love Chandler as well. Like, I, I really enjoy watching Chandler fight um, – but I just have like uh yeah, Ferguson's he's been in my top five for a long time. So uh I, I would like to see him uh get that win and and I don't think like he can't be stopped, you know. So it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what Chandler's like in that fourth and fifth round. Yeah. Cause he cause he goes full throttle, you know, uh every round. So It'll be interesting to see what his gas tank is actually like, you know, against someone who uh, goes full throttle as well. So it's not like uh, a one-sided thing. It's going to be uh, um, high, high-paced, high-intensity, and uh, everyone knows Ferguson's not going to stop for five rounds, and, and it's going to be cool to see uh, Chandler as well. Yeah, I think Tony Ferguson, realistically, this has kind of got a weird implements to how this is going to shape up with the lightweight division. I think realistically, um, if Chandler wins, I think he pushes him back into the top three again and probably gets himself another title shot at some point. That's why he left Bellator. And, and I mean, that's why he came over was to fight the better fighters. And, and so far, he's had a taste of that. You know, he beat Dan Hooker, knocked him out cold on and, and was a vicious knockout with a huge height difference. Um, and then obviously losing to Dustin Poirier and then losing or actually beating Dustin Poirier, right? Or am I wrong with that? He no, he beat, beat, Poirier, beat Poirier, went to Oliveira, lost to Oliveira, uh, got viciously knocked out. 
Um, but he was 10 seconds away from being the UFC lightweight champion, which is yeah. bananas. I mean, he did have Charles Oliveira in that first round, absolutely knocked unconscious. And Oliveira was literally saved by the bell in that performance. Um, and then obviously coming out, knocking out Chandler. Uh, but for Tony, man, this is where it gets hard because age starts creeping on your side too. You go on a little bit of a losing streak. And we've seen this before where guys, you know, I mean, prime example, Alistair Overeem, a top 10 guy in the heavyweight division, um, went on a bit of a tear, lost one fight, got or lost two fights, got cut. You know, it's like, it's one of those situations that, yeah, Tony is a great guy for the business and he has brought in millions, probably millions of dollars. Um, it's always going to be a shame that we never got to see Habib and Ferguson in their primes. I think that's a one matchup. I'm always going to be upset. We never got to see, um, but nonetheless, man, this one's, this one's a banger. Like Sean Shelby knocked this one absolutely out of the park. Uh, I'm, I'm personally going to be rooting for Chandler in this fight. I'm again, I'm a Ferguson guy through and through. I think he's been absolutely unbelievable for the UFC and what he's done throughout his career. But Chandler has just been, I don't know. He's been unstoppable at times, but I agree with you, Cole. He needs to be very hesitant on how his combinations are being thrown. He has to be very, very smart against a guy like Tony Ferguson because if you gas and show even the smallest restraint of being tired, Tony Ferguson will turn it the fuck up. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with you there, buddy, for sure. Just totally who he is. So that, that'll be an interesting one, boys. I can't wait to recap that when that comes around. But uh, some other news. Uh, we talked about Austin Vanderford. Well, hell, let's talk about his wife. Paige Van Zandt has officially left Bare Knuckle Fight Club. She's obviously the former UFC fighter. Uh, made her all-elite wrestling debut last night and has officially walked away from combat sports, which, if you look at her Instagram, she's been away from it for a while. Did, did you watch it? I watched it, and I thought it was pretty funny because when she signed the contract, she signed it on Tanya Conti's ass. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, nice. Considered Paige Van Zandt, I mean, that's the perfect world for her. She's on yeah. Instagram flaunting her body. She doesn't want to get punched in the face anymore. She has a career way beyond combat sports. It wasn't the greatest run for her with the UFC. She had some moments that – that spinning uh, kick is probably one of the coolest ones that we'll have uh, of her highlight reel. But the second that she went over to bare knuckle, I said, Ooh boy, this isn't, this isn't the field that you want to be in. I understand the pay is good. The money's really good. They pay their fighters extremely well, but fuck, I honestly, the more that I've been watching bare knuckle, I'm just like, ah, fuck man. This is it's a vicious sport and hard to get into because you know, it's out there, man. Yeah, you just cringe your teeth every time, man. Oh, yeah. and you're like, ooh, e, and everything is just so like on. And I understand that you have to pay probably pretty handsomely because I can only imagine um, how bad you would feel after one of those fights. But uh, good for Van Zant. Um, I think she's going to really do well. She's been training with uh, a couple of um, uh, former WWE people, so that's good. She'll be working with AEW wrestlers too, and. I mean, it's the perfect world for her. She's an entertainer, and, and again, if you look at her, if you look at her Instagram or any of her other shit. She's promoting OnlyFans and all this other shit. It's it's the perfect world for her. So, congratulations on signing her contract. Like I said, I thought it was just so fucking funny at the end of it. She's just signing her contract on a girl's ass. So, I I just I giggle. If you watch her Instagram, you'll completely understand what I'm talking about. And uh, some other news that kind of made my head kind of go what um this one was a little weird for me obviously we all know tyson fury is gaining 
uh, you know, getting ready for his camp. He, he literally shut off all his social medias. He hasn't been doing any press. He's literally said, I'm taking an eight-week hiatus, which is, I think, really cool of him. Um, yep. And he's going to be focusing on Mr. White because Mr. White is a hell of a fighter. Um, so this matchup really intrigues me. But one of the comments that was made was that Fury said, after this fight, I'm done. Cole, do you think he's done? I do, yeah. I, I think he's uh, he's – He's not in it for the money. That's not why he boxes. He's a he's a gypsy. He's the gypsy king. He he. It was in his blood. His uh, you know, his uh, his father, his family, is known for uh, boxing. You know, gypsy boxing. So bare knuckle boxing, actually. Um, and he grew up with it. You know, uh, Tyson, named after Mike Tyson. Uh, he's it's been in his blood his whole life. Uh, he he often donates his whole purse. Uh, he's, he's literally not in it for the money. Um, he, he gives away his money. That's not why he boxes. Uh, so I, I do believe him. Um, and I, I think he really has nothing else to prove. And, and I think he's just sick of the politics of boxing. Uh, they, they're not going to make these fights happen. I'm not going to sit here and ask for it. You know, I, I'm the best come for me if you don't want to they clearly don't want to uh or else it would be happening so uh he's gonna fight white and then fight in ghana and then uh peace out you know and why not you think he's gonna fight the ghana you think that'll happen uh i mean if dana wants it to happen it'll happen uh, i think that's the only stipulation there and dana loves money so how do you how do you see that one playing out not good for Ngannou. <laughs> but like when I say not good for Ngannou, I mean like like all good for Ngannou. He's gonna make a hundred million dollars. Uh, he's gonna take way less damage. Like he's it's not gonna be, and then he's gonna go on and and have a great UFC career. You know, it, it's uh, it, it's a win win. You know, it's yeah. the only one who risks anything is fury if he gets knocked out um it, if Nganu gets knocked out you know you just fought the the greatest heavyweight of, of maybe all time you know so if i was in Ganu, i'd take the 100 million and <laughs> sign me up <laughs> yeah i mean i agree with you fully on every aspect of what you just broke down i i am in full agreement that i do think this is one of his last fights if not the last fight um, his last fight, he donated his entire purse to, I think half of it went to his camp, his people in the camp. And then he donated, I think it was like four or five minutes or what, what was it? 40 or 50 million to some, oh, I'm, tr I'm trying to remember what donation it was, but he didn't even keep a dollar of it. No. And that's after fighting Deontay Wilder and beating him again. Like, I was just <laughs> like, this is crazy. And, and I understand what you're saying when you're playing matchmaker and all these guys are coming for you and calling people out. But then commission and boxing is saying, well, no, you have to fight this guy and you have to do this. Because we were all preparing for Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. I think we were all ready for that fight. We were all preparing for it. And then it was just like, just kidding. The commission said no. And just here's Deontay Wilder, even though we don't fucking want him to be there. Right? Like, it was just like we were force-fed that fight. And even Tyson said himself, it's like, I don't – I was never really in that fight. I didn't really care. Like, he's like, I was having fun, obviously. But it's just – I, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. That's how it's going to be in this sport. And I agree with you. He's going to make, what did they say he's going to make on this fight? $141 million. 
I do believe is his estimated payday. And that's just like that's just the pay that's he'll pay. get. That's not including like everything in behind the scenes, you know. So it's 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 a fraction. Um, but even going back to what you said, like even with like the the Usyk coming in and and beating Joshua, and then uh, Usyk was gonna fight Tyson, and then all of a sudden uh, Joshua's like, no, I want my rematch. So it's like, and then they tried to pay him to to have him step away from the con. And it's like, it's just so complicated, I guess. And, and it, it would be frustrating. It's a severely broken system. I mean, people's major complaint with boxing for years has been that it's got such a, it, you know, like, and you can, you obviously know more than anybody. Um, it's just, it's such a frustrating sport because the best of the best should be fighting the best of the best, just like it should be in every other sport. But for some weird reason, the commission of boxing always steps in, always has some kind of weird mandate. And then all of a sudden they're just like, these fighters that want to fight one another are all of a sudden handcuffed because they, they just can't do it because the boxing commission goes, well, no, we're not going to let Joshua fight Fury, even though everybody in the world wants it because Usyk wants to fight him. And then Usyk fought him, beat him. And now Joshua needs his matchup. It's it, it, like you said, it's stylistically, it's a nightmare to be a, a boxer. And so I really do think that this is the end of, of Tyson Fury. Um, and if it is, man, like you said, it's in his blood. He's a gypsy king. He's he's one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest to ever do it in the heavyweight division. Um, his story, I think, far exceeds his boxing uh, to yeah. overcome the fucking demons that man has overcome and, and to be a, a face of an organization. Um, not many guys can go through substance abuse the way he has and be the face of boxing or any other sport ever. So, uh, tip of the cap to Mr. Fury. I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, I am very intrigued to see the Francis Naganu contract situation with the UFC. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because he is without a contract right now. And it sounds like every fight he wants is $700,000 plus uh, is what his asking price is, which, hey, I'll, I mean, hey, I think he's worth it. I really do. I obviously know that he has been, you know, kind of hit and miss when it comes to the, the main events and stuff like that, but he's on a big streak now. He's won against, you know, the who's who of who was in the heavyweight division. So, um, and he's been the face. I mean, you look at the champions that we have, like we, I call it the African row because I mean, you've got the African champions right now of Aljamain Sterling. And of course, Israel Adesanya, you've got uh, Francis Naganu and Kamara Usman, who are the forefront fathers right now of the titles. And I, I agree with him, man. Hey, it's like I am promoting a, a sport that's not really promoted. And people are watching it, you know, gathering by thousands on the street to watch me fight. So now's my time to make a paycheck. Plus, he's earned it, I think, at this point. But $700,000, i am a little skeptical on. But I think if you give him six, I think that's more than reasonable. I think seven's fair, though. He, he deserves it. He brings he brings the, the fight, right? I mean, that last fight that he had. I think he proved to a lot of people that he's not just a striker either. I mean, he, he's his game's getting a little bit better every every fight. I think, um, but yeah, seven hundred k. I mean, when you see these boxers making a hundred million dollars on a fight to pay this guy seven hundred k to get in the ring to fight, I mean, they should be paying him that. I think. I I, I agree. Uh, I I think um, him when he wants. You know, he's uh, he's clearly. He's he he's clearly a champion, you know. You and and just like uh, just like you just said, you could tell that in his last fight. Um, his his actual fight IQ is going up, you know. Right. He's actually making these decisions where it's like, okay, um, 
I'm getting, you know, I'm going to go for the take. All right, that worked. I'm going to go back and do that. You know, he's he's uh, making adjustments. Um, he's beating the top against top guys. You know, so it's not like he's just not a knockout artist anymore. He's a, he's a champion, and people are tuning in to to watch him. He's, I I would like to. I don't know the numbers, but I'm guessing he's one of the highest sellers right now in the UFC. Like I. I People, he's a terrifying-looking human being. People want to see him de- destroy people, right? And because he has been, so uh, I, I feel like the the UFC is making enough money to pay him what he wants. I pray to God that I never have to meet that man in the back alley because I will be oh, scared. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen with that Jackass movie yet? I haven't seen Jackass I haven't yet. Yeah. Seen I plan on doing it this week, but apparently it was like uh, Johnny said that there was some severe pain after he left some damage. But um, yeah, no, that's crazy. I really hope that they get the contract figured out. I really do hope. Um, again, who had Cyril gone getting out wrestled by Alistair, by by uh, Naganu on their on their 2022 crazy. fight card? You know, no one had that. So uh, yeah, no, pay the man. Continue developing the heavyweight division. We've alluded to tonight. There's been a lot of great things that have happened in that heavyweight division, so let's continue with that. Uh, this is part two, guys. This is called Into the Future. We're moving on up. This is sponsored by the Connexus Credit Union and the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. We will dive into some of the matchups that we think are intriguing coming up, including this weekend with UFC Vegas 49. Crazy that we're at Vegas 49 already. Uh, this matchup is a little bit interesting because there's a lot on the line. Uh, Mr. Ankleev taking on... The one and only Diego Santos, who I honestly thought was going to beat John Jones at one point in his career and has went on this weird up and down swing. And uh, yeah, no, this should be a really intriguing matchup. Uh, I think Ankaliev wins this fight. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think Ankaliev does too as well. Santos has been up and down, hey? just like you just said. It's it's kind of weird. But uh, I think Club takes this one. Yeah, it's going to be... I think it's going to be one-sided, to be honest. I think, um, you know, he he's, just, you know, representing his guys just like everyone, you know, one loss. Like everyone, they all have that one loss, you know, uh, early in their career. And, uh, you know, he's on like an eight or nine fight win streak uh, and just making it look easy. Um, and I think he's going to make this look easy. I think, uh, yeah, I think Diego is not – who he was no and he, i think he ever since that john jones fight he just looks like a shell of himself he, he looks like he's you know not he's, he's he's hesitant on everything that he does which makes me so mad because he's got heavy heavy hands and he's got a ton of power in those mitts and john jones got tagged and even said man like that guy hit me and he hit me hard um and, and for john jones to say that about his opponent usually you know he doesn't say anything like that but uh yeah no i mean santos needs to win this fight i think it more so but angliev is just Man, he's on a murderer's road too, and he's he's making his name in that division. And I think he'll be contending for a title very, very soon. Um, so this is a great main event, and if you get the chance through this weekend, definitely check it out. Uh, one fight that's kicking off the card that I kind of wanted to dive into because I think it's such a cool, unique story. Uh, Drew Dober is going to be taking on Terrence McKinney now. Terrence McKinney just fought ten days ago and got I a so. yeah, got a submission victory. And so he was actually just kicking around in Vegas still because he fought in Vegas for UFC Vegas 48 um, and decided he had a submission win. So he didn't take a lot of damage, said, hey, I'll step up as long as I can pass my medicals, which he did. Um, But if you don't know the story of Terrence McKinney, 
this is one of the most incredible men that are on face of planet Earth right now. Um, about four years ago, uh, police had found him on the side of essentially a wall, uh, pretty much head beat in, had a had a really bad case. Uh, apparently, he was sitting on on this on this wall, but he was so high that he fell over and actually hit his head completely on the cement. And for all intents and purposes, uh, he said that you know the doctors even said that Terrence should be dead, um, which is pretty crazy. He had so much. The one thing that saved him was the fact that he was on mushrooms. Um, it's crazy to think about, but it stimulated his brain to the aspect that it kept him alive. So mm. it, it's a crazy science. It's a crazy thing. He's been three years sober, obviously since. Um, and, but Terrence McKinney has changed his narrative around, changed his life around, and, and has been really, really, really like a wrecking ball since he's come back. Um, and again, like I said, UFC Vegas. But Drew Dober, Drew Dober is a tough son of a bitch. Uh, Drew Dober gets in wars, and that is what he is famous for. I mean, you've seen the last couple of fights that he's had. He is a stand there, complete banger. Um, I, I foresee, you know, maybe the short camp, I would normally probably route McKinney in this because he's a really good wrestler and Dober kind of struggles against that. But on a, on a 10 day notice, I think I'm going to roll with Drew Dober on this one. I don't know. It depends what kind of fight it, what, what, what happens when they come out there. If it's, if they're standing up for sure, Dober for sure. But if McKinney can get him down after that last submission that I seen on that one, I don't know. I think he can beat him. Yeah. And I guess it, it depends on what, his celebration was like, you know, like, um, was he, was he back in the gym? Was he just chilling in Vegas and eating and, and kind of, you know, just taking that day, those 10 days to chill? Uh, it'd be interesting to know because, um, sounds like he's got his head, head on pretty straight, though. I don't think he's all partying, obviously, not. He's been three years sober, right? So, I don't, I don't, I don't mean partying, but I mean, um, for myself. When I take off two weeks from boxing, uh, it's not like riding a bike. Uh, yeah. You know, skip, yeah. skipping is hard when I take 10, 10 days off. Um, so I, I would just like to know if he was, uh, you know, doing some some training here and there, staying in shape, running, going for – like, what was he up to? Uh, and I guess we'll find out uh, what his conditioning's like. But Dober, that's a tough fight. Uh, he's a tough dude. Yeah, Drew Dober's got a full camp too. That's kind of why I'm rolling with Dober in this. I mean – McKinney obviously didn't take a lot of damage in his last fight and got a pretty easy submission victory. Um, and again, he probably didn't take all that much punishment. So I agree with you. It's not like you're, like you said, you take 10 days off, who knows what kind of shape you're in. And I agree fully, right? If I don't go to the gym in 10 days, my body's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. but what do you, I don't like this. Like my knees hurt for no particular reason at all. Right. So um, yeah, no, nonetheless, that's going to be a great matchup. That's going to kick that card off. Uh, if you got a chance this weekend, make sure to watch it. We'll recap it in two weeks time. Uh, make sure to tune in, of course. Um, we're also going to preview it this week. UFC 273 is coming up literally in three weeks, but I figured with the way that we have it broken down and the way that we have our week scheduled, usually why not preview it now? Plus we got Justin here. So this kind of helps the return of Kelvin Gaslam, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite fighters ever. Uh, in the UFCs, his gas tank for such a little spark plug is just some of the funnest. His wrestling is all elite. His hands are vicious. When he lets go of kicks, he can be one of the best fighters. But sometimes he forgets to put the full package together, and he loses some pretty big fights. So this one's going to be a fun one against Amov. Uh, how do you see this one going, Cole? Uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of gate gatekeepers, uh, I think that's how you define Gaslam. I think um, 
he's I love him too. Like he his combinations are beautiful. He, he, like he's such a, but it's so it's so sh- like he he like um, someone described it once. I I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about him that he he keeps up. He goes at your pace, and that's why he loses all the time because he goes at the pace of his opponent, even though he can do way more because his his like you said his gas tank's unlimited. Um, but for some reason. Whatever pace you're doing, he matches it. So he loses by decision loss, split decisions, decisions, and he just doesn't do a, that, that little bit of extra where to win those rounds. And it's, it's super frustrating because of how talented he is. And um, you can go check out his record. He's, he's won one out of his last six. Uh, that sucks because of because of how much talent he has. Um, so depending on, on who comes out, you just never know. So it's a hard one to put a bet on. Uh, but I would like to see Gaslam win. Uh, but that's a big fight for Gaslam, I think. Eh? I mean, or what's next after this fight for him if he if he doesn't pull this one off, right? So yeah, I think no. he's got some extra mo- <laughs> <laughs> like he's got some extra motivation coming into this one to to put on a fight. I've always liked watching him too. I mean, he's he's a tank, right? So, uh, but that Russian on the other side, I mean, he's 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 good as well. This could go either way. Yeah, no, I agree with you fully. Um, Gaslam, like I said, when he puts them all together, man, he has some of the most, you know, it's just, it's it's almost like you're watching poetry in motion because he's so fluent and he's so precise every single time. Like, it's a calculated takedown. It's it's a it's a good time. Uh, you know, left jab for him has always been his power jab. If he slips that leg in, he's got really quick kicks too, um, and he's a really inside leg guy. But, uh, again, I watched that fight, and I was re-watching some of his older fights, and I rewatched the one with Robert Whitaker. And I thought to myself, shit, man, if he would have just kept his pace, uh, you know, and, and Whitaker has notoriously struggled against guys who are pretty good at wrestling and have great leg kicks. I mean, Izzy's been a prime example of that. But Gaslam, I thought, really, really competed well. But when the tank needed to be running, he just, it was like he was gun shy. Like he was hesitant in that fight to just make that next step, to maybe throw mm-hmm. that leg kick, to maybe throw that left hand. And instead, would let Whitaker walk in on him. And we all know that you let Robert Whitaker walk in on you. It's a fucking long day at the office. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's tough with Gaslam. And I agree with Cole. If you're 1-6, in six, you lose this fight. I mean, I don't want to say the writing's on the wall in the UFC for you, but it's hard to bring you back, especially in that division. You know, like that's why I said, and it wasn't just a shot at, at, at him going to PFL, but I think that's realistically his next step. You know, like I think that's a, a, a league that benefits him and, and has him there and, and he can continue to grow. He's not that old either. So, yeah. I mean, I, I really do hope Kelvin Gasson wins this fight. I'm with you guys on this one. I would probably be rolling him with bets when it comes in. Uh, also, we're kind of, like I said, breaking down this whole card. Uh, Mackenzie Dern taking on Tisha Torres, man. I'm really looking forward to this one. Mackenzie Dern, an up-and-coming prospect. Tisha Torres is, a, I don't want to say a veteran of the game, but she's been around for a while. Uh, especially with Invicta. So she was a champ out there. Um, I am going to root and probably go for Mackenzie Dern in this fight because everything I've seen from Mackenzie Dern has been pretty spectacular so far. Yeah, same here. From what I've seen from her too as well, I think she's going to come out um, and have a big fight. I think this is a big fight for her um, to move up in the rankings. I call a submission on this one. I'm just calling it. Spicy, I wonder what the odds are on that one. (laughs) <laughs> I I think so too. I think she'll take her down. She'll get that submission, um, grind her out. Uh, yeah, and then she'll be kind of back on that track. I know, um, you know, 
both both of them are 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 uh, the very top. You know, like they're both very good fighters. Obviously, completely different fighters. Uh, and and they just um they get there. You know, they get there and then they lose. Right? Then they get there, then they lose, and it's uh. So it's gonna put one of them back on track, and uh, I think I think Darren as well. Submission. Um, yep. that's a tough division. It's it such a, a tough division. It is a tough division, that is for sure. Uh, I'm going to roll with Dern. I also like – I got to figure out – I'm going to check it out on, on uh, our, our official sponsor, BetUS, to figure out what the odds are exactly on that one because I think submission, you got to think that it would be a, a, a nice little lump sum of money depending on the round, but we will definitely figure that one out. That is a great uh, great fight and a great matchup. I, I, and, again, for Tisha Torres' purposes, she also has been very hit and miss with this division. So – like yeah. bullshit. She kind of gets there, dips off, gets there again, dips off. So this would be interesting. Uh, the matchup that I am most intrigued by, actually, I guess all three of these fights are going to be great. Uh, this fight, I am beyond excited for, fellas. Uh, again, Sean Shelby knocked this one out of the park when it came to matchmaking. Uh, Gilbert Burns versus Kamza Chiamev. And I am telling you right now, I think Kamzat has met his kryptonite. I am going to be rolling with Gilbert Burns in this fight, and the only reason why is because Gilbert Burns is one of the only men in this division that has almost knocked out Kamara Usman. So I am going to be rolling with Gilbert Burns in this. I think he is quick, he has heavy hands, and Kamzat has not faced the like of a Gilbert Burns yet. I can't wait for this fight. When I saw this one on here, I was like, yeah, this, this, is, this is good because, yeah, Burns, he's got some heavy hands, man. He, he can knock you out one punch, right? So I think you're right by calling this. He's, he's kind of met his match on this one, but he's the real deal too, man. I don't know. This is a tough one to call. It really is. But it's going to be an exciting fight, I think. This is going to be one of the probably – it could be one of the fights of the year so far. It really could. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. Tom's at I, uh, oh, I like him. You know, 10. I like him. Yeah. 10 and 10 finishes. Let's keep that streak going. I like Burns a lot. I do. Uh, but I mean, you know, he had a shot. He, he, he just I want to yeah. And, and it, it wasn't, yeah, he did, he definitely did really well, you know? Um, and that's why I like him. I do like him, but I, I just, I like this hype train right now. I like it. It, it, it makes, I don't know. It's exciting. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Kamzat, I think. It's good for the sport, too. I mean, Kamzat's up-and-comer, too, right? I mean, it's it's kind of different when you look at who he's beaten as compared to Austin Vanderford when you look at undefeated streaks, right, um, for two different organizations. And, I mean, Gilbert Burns is a real deal. And that's the only reason why I'm rolling with him is just because I think his hands are just so heavy that Kamzat hasn't faced yeah. a guy that's like that. Um, Kamzat has been good for the sport, though. He's he's at every event. He's going to every after party, it seems. He's going to every yeah. – uh, you trading with Till right now? Is that what I saw? So, yeah, Darren Till actually switched camps. He left England and came down and is now training with Kamzat in Vegas. Um, and it just seems Michael Bisping had a really good story today on his Instagram about how they went driving together after the event last weekend. And and Kamzat was just ripping donuts in the parking lot. And he just seems like a, a fucking fun guy. And, and Bisping was trying to get milk for the next day. He's like, I just wanted milk for my coffee. It's the only reason why I went with them. And here I am with Darren Till and Kamzat in the same vehicle who are just two characters by themselves, right? 
I mean, and it's probably good for Darren Till to be with Kamzat's camp. Sean Strickland is actually there too. So they kind of got like a who's who in that camp right now. And I think for Darren Till, who's, you know, potentially, he's, he's got championship material in him. He's going to learn a lot from these two guys. But Kamzat, like I agree with you, Cole, if he gets burns down to the ground and does it quickly, like he will, as as Kamzat likes to say, smish uh, yeah. his opponents. So I mean, <laughs> this will be really intriguing. I, I think this one has fight of the night written all over it. Um, I, I guess so. We got two. I'm gonna go with Burns. Comes up. All I'm right. Comes up. Yeah. All right. So I'm the underdog. Good one. Okay. So when we come to put our our bets on there, I'll make sure that the two to one favorite gets picked on that one. So when we make our fight <laughs> card picks, uh, for the record, just want to say we're 13 for 15 on the year. That's pretty goddamn impressive. So you're doing all right, man. You're doing all right for sure. We're rolling it. We want some uh, plus money too. So. Uh, this is a matchup that's been months in the making. Actually, Justin and I went, uh, we actually threw this fight up at Ballers in Regina. Uh, when it happened, we were all kind of a little struck by what happened. Obviously, this is a rematch in the making. Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yawn. Uh, this has been a back and forth thing for a long time. Uh, Aljamain Sterling has been out with that neck injury for quite some time now. Uh, almost a year since this rematch, uh, which is crazy. Peter Yan has been uh, been training with Muay Thai kicker or boxers. And he's been in basically F Bali. He's been everywhere, it seems, uh, training for this fight, which, again, if he doesn't throw that knee, I still think Peter Yan is the champion because he was whooping that boy's ass for four straight rounds. Now, I don't know which fight Aljamain Sterling has been watching and, and if you're being in your own corner or not or being your own hype guy, but he was on the MMA hour, yeah, I believe, at the start of the week and said that, he was dominating that fight for four rounds. You, we all watched a different fight then. Yeah, no way. That I think Jan's going to come out. I mean, the last what two fights Jan's fought, it's been very dominant. The guy's been been very, very, very well right now, right? So I, I'd Sterling. I mean, this is going to be his first title defense because he's backed out of a couple fights now. I th I believe, right? So I think Jan's going to take the belt back. I, I do. Yeah, Sterling. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't even look at him the same. Uh, Something bites me about him. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I really, I really, uh, I gained respect for him when he beat uh, Sanhagen so quickly. I was like, okay, this guy is a machine. You know, this guy's a a beast. He just made Sanhagen look like a. You know, it was like a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, and then. He does that, and, like, just I lost everything. Like, I can't even – that's not uh, – I don't know. When I think of a, a fighting mindset and a fighter's heart, that is not it. So I really hope Jan puts a, a beat down. Yeah, and I'll play, the, I'll play the side of devil's advocate, too, on this one. But Peter Jan knows the rules. You never – I mean, it's taught to you from fucking day one. You never throw a strike, a knee strike, to a downed opponent. And Aljamain Sterling was a downed opponent. Now, did he milk it? For sure he did. Did he win the title because of it? Fuck yeah. Did that mean a bigger payday for Aljamain? For sure it did. I mean, if I was his corner guy, I'd be like, hey, man, listen, you're going to make $300,000 right now. You're going to be the champ in the UFC. You're going to have your first belt ever. Hey, fucking you, no need to get back up, man. Right? I mean, that's devil's advocate. I mean, that's not a fucking fighter's mentality. That's not a champion's mentality. And that's why I think Peter Yan is going to walk right through Aljamain Sterling in this fight. Um, I'm rolling with Peter Yawn on this one. 
He is a minus 300 favorite in this fight. Uh, usually that typically doesn't happen when a champ is, you know, in a, in a title fight. So uh, Aljamain Sterling, though, I mean, he has had this time off, right? And his wrestling, as we just alluded to, is fucking crisp. So if he can get backlash to Peter Young quick, who's not a very big frame, I, I like Aljamain's chances in this. But again, he's got to get that takedown and it's got to be quick. And this time when you take him down, you got to do something because even when he mm -hmm. was in that fight, he took him down and Peter Yawn got back right up and was up and ready to go again. And that's just how good Peter Yawn is. But I think it sounds like we're all rolling with Peter Yawn in this fight. Yep. I might throw 50 bucks on Sterling just because of the odds, but I'm going yeah. in. Yeah. The degenerate in me says 50 bucks on Sterling. <laughs> Nonetheless, that gets us into our main event, which is weird. That's the only way I can describe this main event is that it's just a weird matchup. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. For those of you who might not know who that last name is, uh, good for the Korean zombie to finally get his title fight. I feel like he's just been in the UFC forever and a day, who has been fighting for just years on end, and now he's finally going to have that chance to try to take the title away from Volkanovsky, which will not happen. No, I agree with you there. I think Volkanovsky is just a, more of a complete fighter, I believe. And he's every fight he's been doing he's been getting better too as well hey like stronger every part of his game just keeps getting better and better and better so he's very confident going into this fight i mean korean zombie yeah it's nice to see him have a chance at it but i don't think this is going to be that close either but i gotta agree i gotta agree with you guys uh volkanovsky he's a he's uh he's a complete fighter uh he's and look and look at his resume you know um i think i think uh the Korean Zombie is gonna have a long night with that one. <laughs> Even though I love him, uh, he's he's the man, and like you said, uh, he's it's been a long time coming. You know, obviously he had to go uh, join the army, or is that what happened? So he had like a, a couple year delay there, but uh, it's awesome. Yeah, give him a shot. Why not? Um, this is gonna be a, a cool fight, and I feel like it's gonna go for some rounds. You know, it's not gonna be. A quick stoppage it's going to yeah, go four or five rounds so it's going to be awesome to watch as well yeah i don't think by any stretch of the imagination i think volkanovsky is going to walk him chan sung jung is a tough motherfucker um and he's proven that with the war with cub swanson right off the get-go is probably one of my favorite fights of all time those boys just swung for like rounds on rounds it was just it was insane um probably one of my favorite fights ever in the ufc but this, this is a tough matchup. Volkanovski has literally walked through pretty much everybody in that division. The only person I think he really needs uh, that can beat him is Max Holloway. Um, now, how long do I think Max Holloway is along from trying to fight him? I think Max probably has one more tune-up fight. Um, and if he wins, he probably does get the rematch. I, they're split 1-1, so everybody knows that. Um, or split – or no, no, Volkanovski's won both fights, sorry. Um, yeah, controversial one. Controversial finish in that first one for sure. I thought I thought Holloway did a lot more in that fight to win that fight, but what do we know about the sport and commissions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Been out, out to lunch lately, which is you know one of the discussions we had. But when it comes to betting sides of things, Alexander Volkanovsky right at the moment is minus five ten favorite as to plus three seventy five for Chan Sung Jung. Um, you're you saying you want to throw some house money down? It's probably a good time to throw some down on a three seventy five. <laughs> That would pay you twenty five hundred bucks on a fifty dollar bet. So, I mean, hey, it's anything is possible in the world of MMA. That's why we absolutely love it. That's why I've been watching it all these years. But yeah, Chan Sung Jung, I just don't think has what it takes to beat Alex Volkanovsky. 
So I really look forward to Max Holloway coming back and uh, giving it everything he's got because you know Max Holloway is going to. Absolutely. I agree. Perfect. Well, that is about it for us, fellas. That's all I got on the plate for tonight. Uh, of course, we'll be back live again in two weeks' time right here. Same platform. You know where to follow us. Of course, Justin, thank you so much for joining us, man. This was a pleasure. pleasure. Great. Yeah. Justin's won a couple of contests through our, our platforms as well, so it's always cool to have you know fans and, and that coming back on here. And that's what this is all about. You know, When people reach out to me, I would love to have you guys on the show. You support me. I support you. It's the best way to do it. Uh, also, Cole, thank you so much for jumping on once again this week, people. Uh, he's one of the best. How can people find you, Cole? Uh, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Simon Boxing System. Come check me out. And I just want to do a quick uh, – uh, we got an event here in Saskatoon, Saturday. Saturday night, 7 p.m., uh, Copus Boxing is, is putting on a, a card here. So come check it out if you're here. Um, it's at Saskatoon Inn. Uh, doors open at five, so come come support some local boxing. Uh, we got, I think we got five or six guys competing on the show. So, uh, yeah, love to see you there. Is uh, just a curiosity question: Is our boy who won a competition on here, Noah Pratt, is he going to be on the fight card? Uh, unfortunately, his opponent got sick, so pulled out last second. That sucks. Well, Noah, we know you're a fan of the podcast. He actually commented earlier in the in the podcast as well. So shout out to you. Uh, I know that he's got a heart of a champion, that boy. So I'm sure he's not uh, too discouraged. He'll be back sooner than later, that's for sure. And, of course, with us, as the ticker says down below, you can find us at the Boomtown Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can also find all of our podcasts online at the saspodnetwork.com. Um, also, like I said earlier in the show, pawfc.com, we are the official media members, so you can actually go on there, watch this replay on there as well. Plus, we will be releasing our podcast tonight. If you missed it, we'll have the audio for you on Spotify, Apple Podcast Network, and anywhere that you can stream a podcast. Once again, I am Andrew. Thank you to Cole and Justin. This is the Boomtown Pod, Season 2, Episode 10. We'll see you in two weeks. Awesome.